we just pick up um, where the restriction is, just kind of nudge it in the right direction to wake up the tissue. And then again, your body knows what to do. So then it tends to self-correct over a couple weeks. And then we reassess and see maybe what the next layer may be. Hi, and welcome back to the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. The show is all about reclaiming health, enhancing fertility, and preparing for pregnancy. We're Dr. Haley Nye and Kristen Cornett, your hosts and the creators of the online fertility platform, Tiny Feet. This episode is brought to you by our online preconception and fertility optimization course, Fertile in Five Masterclass. This course walks you through everything you need to know to prepare for a healthy pregnancy so you can get pregnant when you want to, stay pregnant, and bring your healthy baby home. With over six hours of video lessons, printable worksheets, and quick reference guides, and links to all of our top recommended products and resources, Fertile in Five really lays everything out for you in an easy to follow step-by-step program. If you're ready to stop stressing over getting pregnant and feel confident and empowered on your fertility journey, then this is the perfect solution for you. To learn more, click on the link in the podcast episode description or go to bit.ly forward slash fertile in five. And if you'd like to get a free sneak peek at the full course, check out our mini course on how to choose the best prenatal supplements, which actually walks you through step three of fertile in five masterclass. You can get signed up for the free course through the link in the podcast episode description or by going to bit.ly forward slash prenatal supplements. Welcome back and thanks for being here. Kristen and I started Tiny Feet to offer couples a unique functional medicine approach to overcoming fertility struggles, conceiving successfully, and having beautiful, healthy babies. We offer one-on-one consultations that include functional lab testing and targeted natural therapies, as well as online courses. You can learn more about us and schedule a free 20-minute consult on our website at tinyfeet.co. Okay, you're listening to episode 49, and we're super excited to share this with you because it's a new topic that we really haven't talked about on the podcast before. So it's all about abdominal massage and visceral manipulation to help with our pelvic organs like alignment of the uterus or tension in our pelvic floor muscles, which can affect how we experience our period symptoms or even contribute to trouble conceiving. So I know for me personally, I've been interested in exploring this type of therapy because ever since my C-section, my uterus is now tilted to the right, which is interesting because it was my right ovary that was removed 15 years ago. I've told you guys that I only have the one ovary on the left side. And so I guess after the surgery, my uterus has thought that there's enough room there and just wants to settle in um, after birth. So um, I now get shooting pains down the right side of my leg during my periods. And I also wonder how this positioning of my uterus is going to affect my ability to conceive my next baby. So we've invited Barbara Loomis onto the podcast to chat about this. So she's a practitioner and educator of abdominal therapies with over 22 years of experience in the healing arts field. 
She has a heartfelt enthusiasm for teaching people how to care for their reproductive and digestive organs through her online courses and in private sessions in Portland, Oregon. She combines abdominal massage, manual therapies, mind-body modalities, and the science of biomechanics in her treatments and online courses. She's a lover of the uterus, and she actually has a stuffed crop called uh, Margot the Wondering Womb. <laughs> so I first met Margot and Barbara back in 2013 when we had the pleasure to have brunch with Dr. Christian Northrup. So I'm super excited to come full circle with her and now have her on the podcast today. So in this episode, you're going to learn why our abdominal organs are so intimately connected to our emotions, the difference between visceral manipulation and Arvigo Mayan abdominal massage, what adhesions are and how they do cause physical symptoms, how repositioning the uterus can help with period symptoms and how that might support fertility, and how you can do self-massage at home or find a practitioner near you. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Hi, and welcome, Barbara, to the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. We're so glad to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you're so welcome. First, we just want you to tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got started in abdominal massage. Yeah, so I've been a massage therapist for about 22 years, and um, I'd say the first five years I was doing um, just regular massage, sports massage, but I found that when I massaged the belly, people would have emotional releases, and I didn't know what that was about. So I got trained in metapsychology, uh, which is a person-centered therapy to help um, people process those emotions. But at heart, I've always been a body worker. So I had heard about this uh, technique that, or this modality called Chine Song, which is Chinese abdominal therapy. And it ha- it's a combination of massage, breathwork, and Qigong principles. And it helps uh, process that energy of emotions held in the internal organs. So in the Maya and the Chinese tradition, they don't separate the emotional from the physical and emotions need to be digested as well as food. And so it gave me a framework to work with uh, things that might come up and also teach clients a self-care piece. And so I went through that training and certification, but it didn't focus a lot on the uterus. And, but you know, all organs work together in this nourishing and controlling way. And what's going on in the liver is also important for the uterus and what's going on in the digestive tract as well. And I heard about Dr. Rosita Vigo, and she was teaching a workshop at Brighton Bush Herb Conference. And so I went to check her out and just was blown away by her and the stories other women had to tell about the technique, which focuses more on uterine positioning. 
and increasing blood flow through the uterus and ovaries. And so I studied with Rosita uh, in the professional training and then in the certification, I went to Belize and studied with her in my spiritual healing and um, advanced pregnancy care. And then I went out, I just loved it so much that I went on and became a teacher for the Arbigo Institute. But as you start working with the belly, there's just always more to learn. And so then that took me to, or got me excited about learning through the Burrell Institute in visceral manipulation, which is low force osteopathic techniques working with the mobility and the motility of internal organs. So I've studied in the um, visceral manipulation through the Burrell Institute for the last six years. And I was just, you know, bef even before that, when I just did the Arvigo and the Chinese abdominal therapy, it helps me with my frequent urination at night. It helped me with my painful periods. I was seeing amazing results with clients for painful periods and fertility enhancement and even digestive issues. And so I just decided to specialize and just do abdominal therapy. So now I do a combination of all three of those and um, it's bringing in my other training as well. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I, you know, it doesn't really seem like many people connect the abdomen with emotions or even other parts of our body. You know, we think of emotions just mostly in our head. And of course we feel it, you know, in our chest, maybe in our heart, but definitely not in the abdomen. Um, but definitely in my experience over time of doing like abdominal examinations, a lot of people hold tension in their abdomen and their belly. Um, so could you talk a little bit more about kind of like what that means or maybe what, what a patient would experience when you're working with their abdomen and how that's connected to emotions? Sure. Um, so what it, well, I'll start with Wilhelm Reich. He was a psychoanalyst that studied with Freud <clears throat> and he found that massaging the tissues would help bring up emotional, um, that energy of the emotions or help with emotional releases. And so this was a time when it was all about talk therapy and it was very taboo to um, massage the tissues. Um, and so Adolf, um, or, um, Ada Rolf uh, from the structural integration or rolfing. She also um, was influenced by his work in the myofascial release. And so um, Wilhelm Reich would say our issues are in t our tissues or the mind will use the muscles and the organs of the body for pent up emotions. And so you can see this like with children, if a parent tells them to say, stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about, what happens? They may tense around their eyes, their throat may get tight, and so their muscles are responding to that emotion. And in the moment, it's protective, but over time, it becomes like this armor. So Wilhelm Reich would say, these become armor bands. 
And he wasn't aware of the chakra system at the time, but they develop in the same areas of the chakra system. So the ocular around the eyes, around the mouth, around the neck, um, the chest, solar plexus, and the pelvis. And so that's one way to look at it. And I tell my clients, it's not uncommon for emotions to come up. I'd say, try to keep the thinking mind out of it because we want to figure out, well, what's this about? Perhaps um, it was about when so-and-so did this, but the mind takes us outside of the body and our body, we need to be present in the body. So when something uncomfortable comes up, sometimes we have habits of uh, distracting ourselves with food, alcohol, exercise, TV, whatever it may be. And so that energy never gets a chance to move through its cycle and then is stored in the tissues. So I tell people, it's just an energy. Try to, again, keep the thinking mind out of it, but notice how it feels in the body. So say if anxiety comes up, maybe you feel it in the chest or in the solar plexus. Does it have a shape or color? You know, go inward with your mind's eye and take a look at it. Uh, give yourself the attention you would a good friend in need, not trying to change it or fix it, but just allow it to move, allow it to be present. Um, and I guarantee every single time it will move and transform and change and soften. So again, I just tell people it's, it's an energy. So the energy of fear feels different than anger, right? It feels different in the body. So we're just working with that because you, if you try to figure it out, it's, it might drive you a little nuts because we don't, we, we like to make connections, but who knows where it started. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does make sense. I, I've had this experience personally of having my belly worked on by you actually. <laughs> um, and the, the first couple of times that I experienced this sort of like emotional release lying there being worked on, it was very weird. You know, you're sitting there thinking like, Oh, well, what, what could have caused that? Or what could have triggered that? Or why does touching me there make me cry? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's very odd and it's very tempting to sort of have that like higher brain function of trying to make the connection and understand why that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but I find it's, it's a lot more therapeutic to just sort of let it happen and not try to overanalyze it and just, you know, accept that there was something there that needed to, you know, release and be worked out. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because think about, it's all about flow, right? If we're holding our muscles tight because we don't want to experience something, that's also going to affect the blood and lymph and nervous nerve energy flow through the, into the internal organs. And yeah, it is tempting to want to fix it, but very rarely are we just allowing it. And I've found that that's the, um, it, it just works itself out if it's allowed to move through. Um, I remember when Dr. Arvigo was working on my belly and a, a certain spot that she calls the cement post, it's that area in the solar plexus where when something shocking happens, you get that <gasps> feeling right there mm -hmm. and it can build up and feel like a cement post and she massaged that and it did, it brought up, um, this sadness um, and shame 
And I even saw a picture of what it was related to, which doesn't always happen. And she, she actually could see it as well. I was holding back the tears, but um, she said, better an empty apartment than a bad tenant. So go ahead and let it flow, let it move through you. And it was yeah. very healing. It felt freeing. I think people aren't used to allowing that sort of emotional display in front of others. And so even mm -hmm. when you're in a safe setting like that, when you're being worked on, it's just, it's very odd, you know, especially if you're mm -hmm. working with a practitioner that you don't know super well personally, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, you're not sitting there with your best friend crying about something that you would normally talk about. It's, yeah. it's, it's a very odd experience, but I think if you can just sort of let that go and, you know, create the empty apartment rather than hang on to the mm -hmm. bad tenant. I like that analogy. That's, that's really cute. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's very freeing and it's very helpful. And I, I would always leave an appointment, like just feeling lighter, having mm -hmm. an emotional release like that. Cause it's like, Oh, well, I don't know exactly where that came from or why it happened, but it clearly needed to, and it feels better. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say that's the main thing people walk away with after their sessions, even if they don't have an emotional release, it's like, Oh, I feel lighter. I feel more open and clear. Hmm. So. so Barbara, what is it about the abdomen specifically? I mean, when you first got into massage, I imagine maybe you just did the whole body or you were trained in just the whole body massage like most are, and then you were more interested in abdominal massage. So what is it about like our visceral organs in the abdomen or more specifically the uterus, right? Since this is fertility um, that we're talking about. So, and I know that you're really obsessed with the uterus and you have this cute little like uterus stuffed <laughs> animal and all that. It's really Margo. cute. Yeah, Margot. Um, so I just wanted to get a little more detail on like what drew you to the uterus specifically and like how if, if I was a patient or let's say a listener who's like, okay, what, if this could help me, why would I want to go seek out this kind of treatment? Like what, what would make me think that that would be helpful to me? Well, um, I was drawn to the womb because I think it's misunderstood and a lot of women, um, are not, or, or they feel like their womb or their ovaries are, or the reproductive organs are failing them. They um, are maybe angry. They just want it out, maybe after they're done having children um, because they think it's just a pain in the butt. And so, but I saw your body's always working hard for you every second, like you know, a trillion um, biochemical uh, reactions every second. That's pretty amazing to keep that balance within that homeostasis. And one of my favorite things about working with the womb is that it connects women to that beauty and how amazing your body really is and how hard it's working for you. And when I was a teenager, my mom suffered from a retroverted uterus, and not all retroversions are um, cause a problem. And retroversion is when the uterus is tipped back towards the rectum. And but for my mom, it was uh, she had horrible PMS and back pain, constipation. Uh, she haven't even had some uh, pregnancy issues, 
And so the solution for her, the doctor's solution for her was to do a hysterectomy after she was done having children. And this was before she had a chance of going through menopause. And having a, and they also took our ovaries as well just to be safe because she was done having children. And if you have your uterus out before you go through menopause, that increases your chances of neurological diseases by fivefold or having the ovaries out. But they're finding now that the uterus also has um, an impact on the brain, just having the uterus out, cognitive function. And my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at 55 and died at 62. And so I always wonder if it had anything to do with her uh, hysterectomy and oophorectomy. But so going back to why um, women might want to seek out this kind of treatment, basically organs need flow, the five systems of flow, you know, arterial and venous, lymphatic, energy and nerve flow for proper function. And so it's very simple that it's helping with the flow so your body can do what it needs to do. Your body knows, we just have to give it a little nudge sometimes, especially in modern life and um, you know our, our habits of sitting all day long or having an impact or a fall to the sacrum that may shift the uterus out of place or um, sexual trauma. So it connects you with your internal organs and their intelligence. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, increasing flow to the uterus. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So, do you also work with women that, in, in that case, like symptoms that are pretty common in that kind of practice? You, you already mentioned heavy periods or painful periods. It's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, women that have digestive complaints, maybe constipation, mm -hmm. bloating things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So with constipation and bloating, um, I do do more of the osteopathic techniques of visceral manipulation because it's, it's picking up on the motility, which is an intrinsic movement of all the organs have this, this motility that they should be going through, you know, even the uterus and, she also changes depending on where she is in, in the, her cycle. And they have motility, which is from external sources like breath work and big movements. And organs need that mobility and motility for proper physiological function. And so with the visceral manipulation, we're feeling for restrictions. So in the case of the constipation and bloating. Uh, well, let's say bloating. So all the blood has to move through the liver from the intestines for processing. And so if the liver's overloaded, it becomes like this uh, blocked, like a, a, a dam. And then things back up in the intestines and that can cause some bloating. Or if there's a motility issue, like from adhesions in the small or large intestine, or a history of uh, 
laxative abuse or um, painkillers that can affect the motility of the colon. And so we just pick up um, where the restriction is, just kind of nudge it in the right direction to wake up the tissue. And then again, your body knows what to do. So then it tends to self-correct over a couple weeks. And then we reassess and see maybe what the next layer may be. And so I'd say the main things people come to me for painful periods and um, constipation, bloating, um, unexplained abdominal pain, um, restrictions in movement, because your, your core or your belly is your core and everything branches out from there. And so if you have adhesions or scar tissue or restrictions in the belly, that can affect the neck, the shoulder, the back. In fact, the first time I had an abdominal massage, I went in for, <clears throat> excuse me, I went in for neck pain and he didn't touch my neck at all. And the whole time I'm going in my head, I'm going rub my neck, rub my neck, why you're just rubbing my belly. And afterwards my neck pain went away. So I was like, wow. So that really um, opened my eyes to how the belly can affect the whole body. I had that experience with knee pain and it actually, you could work on my knee all day long, but it was actually coming from my ovary on my right side. That was your, yeah, it was cool. It was, um, there's this ligament of clayette that goes from the cecum to the right ovary in about 60% of women. And the genital femoral nerve runs under there. And so if there's any issue with the cecum or that ovary, then that can cause the knee pain on the right side. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I'm pretty sure that's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've heard that before either. That's it's really so cool. It, this is, this is kind of like, this is great to talk about because of the way that we always think of functional medicine. Like we talk a lot about functional medicine as opposed to conventional medicine on the podcast. And it's really about understanding that the body is this very connected, very complex organism. And you can't separate out different systems and just be like, oh, well, your knee is really far away from your ovary. So there's no way that they could be connected, right? Like there's a much bigger understanding of the body that I, I feel like sometimes conventional medicine misses out on. Not only are there, you know, physical things that connect different systems, but then there's also energetic things that um, I feel like we dismiss as very woo in conventional mm -hmm. medicine, um, but that there's a lot that we just still don't understand scientifically. And I, I think believing that we have all of the answers is sort of, I don't know, arrogant and not all that helpful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I always like to know the why, but I found that there's a point where I don't have to know. Uh, sometimes just things happen and I just have to trust that, you know, the body knows what it's doing. And um, yeah, as far as like the energetics of things, like the, like I said, the Chinese and the Maya did not separate that from the physical body. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about adhesions because I feel like this is a common problem that comes up in fertility. So let's talk about some of the ways that adhesions can form in the abdominal and pelvic cavities and how massage can kind of help 
with that and you know improve fertility by working on that. I think specifically we would be thinking about a condition like endometriosis, which is kind of notorious for forming adhesions, not just in the pelvis, um, but also throughout the abdominal cavity. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so common ways adhesions can form, the most common is surgery. Uh, you just can't do surgery without adhesions forming. It's part of the healing process. But there's things that you can do to minimize the adhesion formation because the maturing process of adhesion, of healing, wound healing, can take up to 18 months. And so there's an inflammatory phase, which is the initial phase that I believe lasts for about 48 hours but a prolonged inflammatory phase can lead to more adhesions. And so if you know you're going into surgery, there's things that you can do by working with a nutritionalist or ND uh, with nutrition, optimizing you know, their nutrition and you know, things like zinc is really important for wound healing, keeping inflammation down, and then taking that into post-surgery as well. And the breath work is really important at that phase as well. Because sometimes when we have a wound or pain, we don't want to go there. So we shallow breathe. Or um, sometimes I'll put my hands on someone's rib cage and have them breathe in in a circumference. So they're expanding out their ribs in all directions. And sometimes they're just breathing into one side because there is an old trauma on the other side. And so re educating them to breathe in that circumference will help the diaphragm come down and massage the internal organs with every breath. So that keeps a sliding and gliding surface, which helps to prevent adhesions from forming because if things are sliding and gliding, there's less chance of things getting stuck, right? Mm. And so, yeah, it's a surgery, inflammation, like a, a inflammatory condition that could cause adhesions or a trauma like a car accident. Um, all those things are, those are the main adhesions. Could That's you, really uh, sorry, just step back a little bit and I don't, just for, in case somebody doesn't know exactly what adhesions are and like why they're an issue, could you just explain that real quick? Yeah, so there, uh, these, so when a wound heals, you have the scar tissue, but adhesions, are, it's like a, a connective tissue that branches out, and it can branch out like tendrils, and sometimes it can be like thin webs to dense fibers, and so I've seen them on cadaver videos <clears throat> where they were really thick, and there's no way that you can um, separate them with manual therapy. Those may require surgery, but again, a lot of surgeons don't want to do surgery because then more adhesions form. And so I work to help free up those lighter adhesions, but also increase the motility of the organs around them. And the, so the problem with adhesions is that they're going to be restrictive to the internal organ motility, which is so important for function. 
Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah so, so you can think of it like, you know, an endometriosis lesion or something that might form on the bowel and cause different tissues to stick together and restrict the normal movement of that bowel. So some exactly. women get like really painful bowel movements or like shooting pains when they go to the bathroom, something like that maybe is kind of a severe example, but that's common um, with an inflammatory condition like endometriosis. So it's like things sticking together as inflammation causes them to sort of inflame and then they sort of fuse. They like adhesive. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 And it's also a risk factor for developing small intestinal bacteria overgrowth because it's making it harder for your small intestine to have good motility to sweep out right. that bacteria on a daily basis. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's talk more about the uterus. <laughs> um, why is uterine positioning so important? I know that you already mentioned it because your, your mother um, had a lot of issues with the retro uh, positioned uterus. Um, but if you can just explain like the different positionings of the uterus and, um, and then just give us a little more examples of what causes the uterus to move out of position. Um, I know in my own example, I feel like having the C-section has made my uterus tilt more to the right, um, which is kind of interesting. So I'm wondering if you have experience with patients like after pregnancy, um, postpartum with their uterus, and then like what kind of things can you do or maybe a, um, a, a practitioner just like you um, could do to help with that? Yeah, so it is pretty common after C-section to have adhesions form around the uterus and sometimes they can also form on the bladder. And so that can send a signal that your bladder's full before it is. Uh, it can also cause painful intercourse because the uterus is meant to move up and down, slide and glide up and down during intercourse. But if there's adhesions there, you get the micro tearing and that can cause some pain as well. Or if the uterus is adhered to the bladder or tipped too far forward on the bladder, then again, she's sending the signal to the bladder that the bladder is full before it is um, because there's less room for the bladder because she you have the weight of the uterus sitting right on top of the bladder. Mm. So the, the uterus sits between the bladder and the rectum and the uterus is meant to move you know, she moves, may move back if the bladder gets really full or forward if um, a woman's constipated or of course during pregnancy, she's gonna grow and move. And she's, so she's meant to move. So the position's not as important as whether she's stuck in any one position. And because again, there's the motility issue or there's a severity so retrovirgins can have um, different degrees of severity. And so a uh, extremely retroverted uterus would be pressing on the rectum. And so the uterus can go from four to eight to 10 ounces during menses or right before. So that's a lot of extra weight sitting right on the rectum. And so then she may experience back pain and thinner stools or constipation during that time because the uterus is, is um, restricting stool from coming through. And so 
the uterus sits in the pelvis in a slightly antiverted, so kind of tipped forward position. But then there's different degrees, like she could tip way forward and be pressing on the bladder. She can tip to the left or to the right, um, depending on, say, if the sigmoid colon is really full, kind of pushing her over to the right. But if she's stuck in that one position, then that's going to interfere with that blood flow around that area and also around that ovary and fallopian tube as well. And so, and then there's, there's prolapse where she starts to descend towards the vagina. And there's also a flexed position. So she shouldn't be flexed in on herself. So if you imagine, like if we bent over right now and stood up, touched our toes and just hung out there all day long, we're going to cut off blood flow to certain areas, we'll probably pass out. <laughs> and if you think about a uterus tipped in that way, blood from the top of the uterus can't cleanse as efficiently every month because then it has to kind of go up and then out and down. And um, so a flexed uterus may lack tone, so she can't work efficiently, maybe more difficult to get pregnant um, because you're not cleansing the blood every month. And so in the first three months of doing self-care massage, a woman may notice a different kind of blood coming out. Sometimes it looks like coffee grounds, which are old dark blood that didn't cleanse from the month before. And usually by the third month, she's seeing a bright red oxygenated blood. Does that answer your question? Yes. Did I miss anything? Okay. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I guess the only question that came up too is how can women accurately assess uh, what their uterus is specifically for them? Sometimes during a pelvic exam, a doctor will mention, mention it in passing, but not always because they don't think it gets a big deal. So they may say, oh yeah, your uterus is tipped but that's normal. It may be common, but like if it's an extreme uh, retroversion, there, even in the obstetrics uh, textbooks, they do mention it can cause painful intercourse, painful periods, even in incarcerated uterus, where the uterus, uh, pregnant uterus gets stuck in that, um, the posterior pelvic cavity, which, mm -hmm is a serious um, medical emergency. I mean, it's rare, but they mention that in their textbooks, but they have never met a OBGYN that didn't just kind of blow it off as, yeah, it's just a variation of normal, mm -hmm. which again, it, it may not be an issue at all. So if you have a pelvic exam and you can ask your doctor, is my uterus tipped? If so, what way? Um, but if you're having common symptoms of a tipped uterus, which could be painful periods, and even if it's in the correct position, you can still have painful periods in the abdominal therapy, you can still help. It doesn't necessarily have to be a tipped uterus to benefit. Um, again, the constipation right before or during menses is another one. Um, prolapse, pretty obvious. 
and we have really good success with stage one and two prolapse, moderate with stage three, but not so much with stage four. Um, and so I recommend abdominal therapy for every woman just because whether she's having symptoms or not, just because it connects her to her uterus. And I tell people, your body knows better than anyone. This is a chance to get to know it and listen. I love that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's easy to get disconnected from what's going on in that area of our body, especially if we experience discomfort. The, the prevailing attitude toward female pain of any kind is sort of just like a suck it up and deal with it. So, uh, you know, especially when we go to the doctor and you say, I'm having really painful periods and they might say, sorry, like that's just part of being a woman. Um, and so I think our tendency is to sort of shove it down and, and put it to the side and just not think about it. And that does cause some disconnection. And then a lot of us don't realize just how much of a problem there is until something's not working right, like when we want to get pregnant. And so I love the idea of this preventative approach, something that's um, really meant to optimize function even before you have a problem, but something that can also be therapeutic if you do have a problem. Yeah. Um, and if, if someone's planning on getting pregnant, um, you may run into this as well. Sometimes they don't seek out help until they know something's wrong. And I tell women to uh, at least give yourself three months of doing the self-care before you try to conceive because everything you do or don't do in those three months is going to have an effect on the health of that egg and that ovulation because your body starts recruiting the eggs at least I think it's a hundred days prior to that ovulation. Yeah. And so you're just feeding it all this blood and nutrients and oxygen to the area. You're making sure things are moving well, you're freeing it up and also working through any of those energetic blocks in those three months. And like I said, you may go through a cleansing and a rebuilding phase in three months. So sometimes your periods may get worse in that first month you know, it doesn't always happen, but sometimes that's part of the process, but typically they get better right away, but it takes three months of really things to settle in. Yeah, that blood flow piece is really important because that all of that oxygenation and nutrient and blood flow, that's super important for egg quality and follicle development and the health of that corpus luteum that's going to you know, produce progesterone uh, mm -hmm. to sustain the early stages of that pregnancy and help prepare the uterus for implantation. So there's definitely a lot of implications for fertility, whether you're having an issue or not. I really love uh, the idea of everybody kind of doing some of this self-care. So talk a little bit about the, the self-care massage. I mean, is this something that um, is like super time consuming that people have to, you know, really focus on each day? Or is this something that's, you know, quick and easy that just feels nice and women can do for like 10 minutes a day. Yeah. So when women come in and I teach them and it's always good to learn in person, um, in my online womb care course, I do try to do a good job of being very detailed in teaching a form of abdominal mas massage. 
but uh, I, it may seem like a lot when you're learning it like that, but it takes maybe seven to 10 minutes to do. And you would do that every day, except for five days before your period, during your period, or if you may be pregnant, then you just give it a break at that point. But it's really not time consuming. I like to recommend doing it before you go to bed uh, so that I like to end my self-care massage with just my warm hands over my womb, maybe one on my heart, one on my womb, do a smiling down meditation into my womb because where your attention goes, your energy flows. And it's just a beautiful way to connect to your uterus and a lovely way to fall asleep. Yeah, I totally agree. Having been taught self-care massage <laughs> by you, um, I can attest to the fact that it is very relaxing and I would typically do it before bed and it really doesn't take very long um, and it is just a really nice way to sort of wind down for the evening and just, you know, feel sort of warm and relaxed and good energy, I guess, is how I would describe that. Yeah, and I like the idea of, especially for women that are struggling to conceive, where going back into the beginning of the episode where you were talking about how women can become angry at their reproductive organs, feeling like they're failing them, um, and have this disconnect in energy just because of that frustration with the organs, whether it be because you're having a hard time conceiving or you just have a lot of um, symptoms that come along with like your cyclic you know, menses and, um, but this can be a really great way to reconnect. And like you said, your body is working for you. Um, not, a, not against you. It wants to be in balance. And so trying to reconnect and build that relationship with your reproductive organs is, um, going to help overall with the fertility process. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to help, I think, on, on many levels. And so if someone comes in for fertility enhancement massage, um, my goal is to listen to the tissues and do what's appropriate for that person. I'm not treating symptoms or um, dis-ease. I'm treating the tissues and then whatever happens is what's in their best interest. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. So. Yeah, I mean, every everybody's body is different. And, um, you know, what you're kind of doing is is going to the root of what may be happening there and, and creating conditions for the body to, like, restore balance on its own. Yeah, and I would say physiology is not physics. And so I could get... 10 women in with painful periods, but they're all different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so just sticking to one protocol kind of limits me. So that's why I don't really stick to protocols anymore. I listen to the tissue and let the tissues guide me because I try, so I work in partnership with the woman's body and the woman's tissue, the woman. Um, so I, I think that, just that is healing, especially when um, women are starting to take ownership and partnership of what's going on in their bodies. 
Yeah, the awareness piece is is really key. And I feel like being worked on in this area of your body where people just don't touch you very often. You know, right. you don't you don't get touched by other people and you might not even spend very much time touching your own belly. Um, especially not in a therapeutic way. Mm-hmm. And so I, this is just such a great opportunity to reconnect and understand what's happening in your body. And then to be able to, I don't know, I guess, free your tissues to give information to the person who's helping you. Um, and Barbara, you have so much experience and have been trained in so many different modalities and different ways that I think you have a, a really unique perspective on how to help different women with different issues heal and, you know, find, find that flow and energy that they need. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was also going to ask based on that, um, you're located here in Portland, Oregon, uh, like we mentioned, but, uh, for people around maybe the world or at least here in the U S do you have a recommendation on maybe an association that we can go to, to find qualified practitioners that would be experienced in doing kind of some of these techniques that you've learned over time? Yeah. So the Burrell Institute is B A R R A L Institute dot com. They, you can search for a practitioner by area through the Burrell Institute. And if you're going in or seeking help for um, anything with the pelvic organs, make sure you see someone that has completed VM3, which is the pelvis. And uh, osteopathic physicians also do this manual therapy. Well, I think maybe between five and 10% actually do it in the United States. A lot of osteopaths don't do manual therapy anymore, where in Europe they all do. So I would first check the Burrell Institute. Uh, in, if you're interested in the Arvigo work, which is completely different, I would um, look on the arvigotherapy.com website. You can search for a practitioner near you through them. The Chine Song Institute does have a directory, but it's, it's, it's not as thorough, but you could check there, maybe do a Google search for Chine Song in your area. And um, so yeah, those are the three main websites. And if you don't, if you can't find a practitioner in your area, which I always recommend, it's best to work one-on-one with someone. Um, but if there's no one in your area, I developed a couple online courses, the womb care course and the free the belly course for abdominal scars and restrictions. And you can find those through my nurturance.net website. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. I do have a quick question just about the difference between Burrell technique and then Arvega technique. Arvigo. Arvigo yeah. technique. Thank you. Um, just to define that again, I know previously you kind of talked about the difference, but just kind of help us again. So women who are seeking out, you know, finding a physician that does, or a practitioner that does this. So Dr. Rosita Arvigo, she's a napropathic physician. So napropathy was developed by a Czechoslovakian chiropractor who thought the wanted gentler way to work with the muscles and tissues and bones. And so that's her background. She's also a herbalist. And she 
studied with Danalehi Alpanti, uh, the one of the last Maya shamans in Belize, and she apprenticed with him for 11 years. And so the Arvigo techniques of Maya abdominal therapy are a combination of her work combined with Donna Lejio's, what she learned from Donna Lejio, and um, some Maya midwives. And so it's um, not as specific as the osteopathic technique, but it's wonderful for um, uterine position. There's specific techniques that we do for retroversions. There's a self-care piece. In the Burrell Institute teaches low force osteopathic techniques, again, for listening to the motility and mobility of the organs. And so even if, say, the uterus is not moving well, we would pinpoint, well, it's the left round ligament or the right uterosacral ligament. So it gets a little more specific. And then we work in a low force way to help nudge the tissues in the right direction. Um, yeah, does that make sense? So one's yeah. more like visceral manipulation, the other's more the Maya abdominal massage? Yes, yeah. And the Maya abdominal therapy also incorporates posterior work around the sacrum, your suspensory ligaments of your ovaries attach way around L3 of the low back. So we work around that area, work around the pudendal nerve and the tailbone. So it, it's encompasses anterior and posterior work, even though it's called abdominal therapy. It's all connected. Of course, the theme <laughs> of everything we talk about on the podcast is it's all connected. All right. Well, thank you so much, Barbara, for being with us today and sharing your knowledge and your expertise. We will definitely link to um, your website as well as all of the different resources that we just talked about in the show notes for the episode. So if anybody is um, curious about that, uh, we'll link to those. You don't have to remember them or type them in. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we just really appreciate you discussing this on the podcast. This is the first time that we've really talked about the manual therapies that can help improve fertility. And I'm sure our listeners learned a lot and are you know inspired, especially for those that know they may have had a surgery previously or an inflammatory condition that might be affecting them. But hopefully everybody's inspired to do a little bit of this self-care um, to help optimize things for fertility. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you.